2 Samuel 22 and 35. I don't know if you ever watched the Animal Channel, but I used to watch that a lot. But it's always the young in the battlefield that seems to be eaten by the enemy, by the prey. And it's never the older ones that you see in the safari when they're running. The prey looks for the smallest, what he thinks is the smallest, or incapable to get away or inadequate, whatever you want to label it. But he looks for that in order to attack. And I, I felt this last night when I was um, praying. As a whole church family, we are family. We're a, a full body of God. We have a Sunday school classes back there with children. We have a youth class upstairs. And then all of us adults out here. It's not just our youth. We have to look out for our youth. We have to look out for our children. But we need to look out for one another as well. Because we don't know when we're out in the field and the prey could be seeking whom he may devour. And then one of us who are alert and we're watching out for one another, we can be that protection for one another. Ephesians 2 verses 6 through 18, when you read those, I'm not going to read those this morning, but equip those yourself and those you lead. You need to be at every church service that is offered to you. We need to be equipped. So in order to be equipped, we have to go to classes. When, you're in, when you were younger, when you needed to learn how to read, to write, to add, subtract, you had to go to class for it. You had to attend school. I don't know about you, but the more it seemed like I missed, the less I learned. The same with the house of God. Pastor already read off all the things that you can be involved in with the church. And so the more that we attend, the more that we learn. And the more that we learn, the closer we grow to our Lord and to one another. So we need to be equipped. We need to equip ourselves. We are fighters. We are warriors. We have to develop that mentality every single day. You can only reproduce what you are. So what are you? We cannot give what we do not have. And we cannot lead where we have not been. So as a parent, as a fellow brother or sister in the Lord, we can't lead someone where we haven't been. We can't give them something that we do not have. As a mother, I need to continue to stay in the word of God. And regardless of how I feel, I need to be in the house of God so I can put into that young man upstairs what he needs to receive. Because if I don't get it for myself, then I can't give it to him. And then even for one another, sometimes we can't make it to the house of God. We have a lot of those who are sick right now at home. So we need to be here and be fed, and then we can share that with those out there. You can preach what you mean, even if it is better than who you are, but they will still turn out like you. That right there, I've had written down for a long time, and I tell myself that when I have that boy up there. And sometimes it comes back at me, Brother Casey. Mama, you know better. <laughs> or he'll bring up something that I've said, and I'm like, well, at least he's learning. At least he's teaching. So you need to get the word and prayer in 
them, if, it, if you don't, it's over. And if you don't get the word and prayer in yourself, it's over. It's completely over. If you are not in the word or in prayer, it is over. So here's a prime example of God's in God's word. There were two people that God called specifically as a friend. We are all a friend of God, but in the word of God, there's two people that he specifically called a friend. The first one was Abraham, and the second one was Judas. He had friends, but specifically called these two his friends. And the difference between these two is that Abraham gained everything and became the father of many nations. And Judas lost everything. They both were a friend of God, if you will notice the difference in their prayer life. So in Genesis chapter 19, when you read that chapter, Abraham went to a place that he met the Lord. So he knew where to go and he met the Lord there. Now in John chapter 18 tells us that Judas knew about a, player, a place of prayer. So he knew of a place of prayer, but it doesn't say that he ever went there. He just knew of it. But Abraham had a place of prayer. They both a friend of God. But the one had a prayer life and the one didn't. One gained everything and one lost everything. If you are going to end up on the right side, you're going to have to have a prayer life. And I can't express this enough because I can sit here and tell you all kinds of examples in my own life and testify to you that if I did not have a, and I'm not patting myself on the back, but if I did not have a prayer life, I wouldn't be standing here today. I wouldn't have survived. I would have been a Judas. I don't want to be a Judas. I want to be an Abraham. I want to gain everything that the Lord has for me. But not only that, I remember being in high school, and um, we had CU at the poll party. And I'm, I don't know if any of y'all remember those, but in a public school, you go outside, and we gather around the flagpole at school, we'd hold hands, we'd sing, we'd say prayer, and then someone would be chosen to um, give a devotional. I haven't been in church very long at all. So I was trying to find something to share uh, at my school that day. I barely, I'm not kidding when I say this, I barely knew who Adam and Eve was. And I remember my youth pastor saying, Sister Laura, will you pray over the service? Y'all, the only prayer I knew was, God is good, God is great, thank him for this food. There was no food there. But I prayed that prayer over the youth service. <laughs> That's the only prayer I knew. So I remember reading this story that I was going to share to the school. And uh, they gave an example of a board. And God was the board. And then the nail was the individual who gave their life to the Lord and they nailed the nail into the board. And then after that, they took hooks and they hooked it to that nail. And then a nail, a hook, a hook, a hook I mean, all the way down, if you can visualize this. So that nail was me and every hook was everyone that I reached out to. And it kept hanging all the way down. And I kept thinking about my family, my friends, everyone that I was connected with. But if I ever pulled myself out of that board and dropped that nail, so if I pulled my life away from God because I don't have a prayer life, because I'm not in the word of God, and I drop that nail, I'm not the only one that loses out. But everyone that was hooked to me, anyone that I've ever connected to falls with me. 
So I take everybody else down with me. So it's so important to be on the right side and to have the word and to have the prayer in your life. So here, here is some seven things, seven things that you need to know when you're in ministry. And uh, I'm sure there's a lot more, and Pastor could add tons more. But here are seven things that some of them I'm still working on, okay? So I'm not sharing these seven things because I have perfected them in no way. But number one is word and prayer. You have to have a prayer life. There's been so many times I'll face a situation and I'll go in prayer, and all I will do is simply open up this Bible and I'll start reading, and it's the exact answer I need. Or it's the exact encouragement that I need. The Lord will show you. It is a lamp, a lamp unto my feet. He guides you. He orders your steps through his word. So you have to have the word of God and you have to have a prayer life. Even if you just give God the first fruits of the morning, which I feel like that's biblical, and you just, I don't, whenever you wake up, it doesn't have to be five o'clock in the morning. This old gal does not roll over at five o'clock in the morning, okay? So it doesn't have to be that early, but as soon as you wake up, just give God at least five minutes of your day. Five minutes. Put your, your life in God's hand that day. Number two is doctrine. Know what you believe in. Know what you stand on. Study the doctrine that God, the truth that God has given you. Okay, then number three is faith. This is a big one because whatever can be shaken will be shaken in your life especially when you dedicate your life to God. I know when I first got in church, I thought, oh, I gave myself to God. My life is just going to be perfect now. It's not a bed of roses. You're not skipping through a beautiful field with sunflowers and the weather's always perfect. Everybody's smiling and everything is just tossed at you, okay? That's not the way it is. It's war. So you have to have faith. And I'm telling you, in order to have faith, you've got to practice number one and number two in your life. You've got to add those first in order for your faith to grow. Because I'm telling you, you're going to be tested. And I'm not being negative. I'm just being real this morning, okay? So you're going to be tested. Because whatever can be shaken is going to be shaken. And when it is shaken, you have a firm foundation and your faith will keep you steadfast. Number four, my least favorite, patience. I hate that word. That's a cuss word, Brother Casey. I don't like that P word. (laughs) Patience. I'm not really good with it. I really ain't. Especially when I'm behind the wheel. I'm just being honest. I I have patience, I feel like, for that boy upstairs, a 13-year-old, that only sleeps and eats and makes messes. But when it comes to being on the highway, poor Sister Butler rode with me the other day. All the way to Dyersburg, (laughs) y'all. She's made it. But I get so angry because everybody in this town doesn't know how to drive. I need to give driving lessons. I'm just kidding. So uh, patience is very difficult, but we have to have it. In order to endure trials and tribulation, you're going to have to have patience. Sometimes I want what God has for me right now. And then I was just sharing a testimony at work the other day. How I went without, I lost my job because I, and I don't want to offend nobody, but this is just how it is. So I lost my job because I refused the vaccine because I have a conviction about it personally. I did not feel like I needed to take that. So 
um, I lost a job, stood my ground, and then I'm thinking, I'll just get a job like that, because that's usually how it works for me. I don't have a problem finding work. It didn't. A month went by, and I'm going into the second month with no work. I'm like, okay, God, where's my job? <laughs> where's my job? I felt like I did what you wanted me to do. I need work. Every time I con contacted someone, there's need help signs everywhere. And I'm thinking, how is it so hard for me to find a job when everybody needs work, needs em uh, workers? And so finally, I was driving one day to church, and I said, all right, Lord, I can't take it no more. You're going to have to do something now. I mean, God is God, and I'm not. My patience was gone. It was gone. <laughs> I guess you could say I was fed up. I know that's ugly, but I'm just being transparent. So I said, Lord, I'm not looking anymore. Whatever you want me to do, you'll have that person contact me and ask me to come work for them. Guess what happened the next day? I got a phone call. Someone saying, do you still need a job because I need someone to come and work for me? And I love that job. They have to make me go home, y'all. I don't ever want to leave work. I love what I'm doing. So in God's perfect timing, we have to have patience. He may not come when we want him to, but he's always right on time. So it's God's timing and not our timing. So patience is very important for you to have in your walk with the Lord. And when you're in ministry, you got to have patience. Number five, it comes from Romans chapter 8, verse 6. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. We need to be spiritual minded. What you feed gets stronger and what you starve gets weaker so what you consume will eventually consume you so to be carnally minded is death if you are a carnal leader you are a killer to those that watch you that's scary we have to make sure that we are spiritually minded and that we are feeding off the word of God we got to be careful and I got to be careful right now because I don't want to just say all kinds of things. But we have to be careful what we allow into our homes. We have to be careful what we allow to set in the front of our children's faces. What comes out of our mouths when we are angry or impatient. We have to be careful for all these things because they're watching. Here's another negative thing about me. I'm just sharing all the ugliness this morning. I don't. I hate wearing a seatbelt, y'all. I hate it. I feel so constricted. And then every time I get in that car, you know what that boy tells me? Mama, you better put that seatbelt on. Mama, get your seatbelt on. Because his daddy drilled that into him, constantly drilling that into him. And I remember one time Chris telling Dawson, this car won't start if you don't put that seatbelt on. So we would sit there until we all had our seatbelts on because we wasn't going anywhere until those seatbelts were on. So he would tell him that car's not going to start that seatbelt's not on. So it's been drilled into that boy that we can't go nowhere without that seatbelt on. And it's funny that I said that and someone's coming in that drills me about it too. But it's, it's something that when you feed it to yourself, when you feed on it, it just comes naturally. When you feed on the Word of God and you consume His law, when you consume His love, when you consume that, it's going to come naturally. It's not going to be hard. It's not going to be hard to overcome temptation. It's not going to be hard when you face difficult situations to stand firm and come to the house of God. 
through one of my darkest hours in life, I knew, I knew right then, I was like, I have to put myself into the word of God. I have to be consumed. It was when COVID was going on, and I had to be in the house of God. I even called pastor. Pastor, this church is having service. Can I go? And I had to go to that church. It was online church. Just reading my word, you have to consume yourself so the outside world doesn't consume you. You'll be pulled closer to God. So we have death showing the next generation how to be dead. If you are carnal-minded, you are spreading death to those you influence, those that watch you, those that you lead. So you need to take control over every voice that comes into your life because not every voice is the voice of God. So we need to learn and know the voice of God and take control over the voice that comes into your life. There, everyone that offers advice, you shouldn't take it. You can't take advice from everyone. But know the voice of God. Number six, self-denial. When you read the, the Luke chapter 9, when you read that entire chapter, um, if being eternally effective is more important than being popular. Um, with this here, I don't, we can do all kinds of popular things, Pastor. I mean... Have a coffee shop back there and everybody bring coffee in the service. Wouldn't that be wonderful? <laughs> I mean, we can be popular. We can do things that will attract attention from out there and, and that will get you pats on the back. But that's not always what God wants. Because it was the crowd that crucified the Lord. It's what everybody wants. I want to be eternally effective. And that's not always a popular thing to do, to stand for what you believe and to, to tell the truth and not sugarcoat things, not sugarcoat the word of God, but share what the word of God is. Number seven, vision. Proverbs 29 and 18. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keeps the law, happy is he. When you keep the law, you're happy because you're not constantly uh, worried about what you've done and the consequence. I'm going to share another story. I remember me and my stepdad were best friends. He was the best stepdad ever. And we became really good friends. He never spanked me. He never had to ground me. I just told my mom yesterday, I'm the best kid you have ever had. I don't know if she believes that or not. But I remember, that's between me and my mama. <laughs> But I remember growing up, my stepdad bought me a car, but he didn't buy my sister. So I know I'm the favorite. No, it's because I didn't care. He bought the car. We accepted it or not accepted it. If we didn't accept it, then we had to go buy our own. Well, I accepted my car. I wasn't riding that school bus no more, Sister Shay. And then he told me, this is what he told me. He said, Laura, you need to slow down on those gravel roads. He goes, you're going to end up busting that oil pan, and you're not going to have a car no more. Oh, Jerry, I got this. I didn't listen. And it was late. The curfew was coming. And turning back the clocks at home, my parents knew that trick. I couldn't do that trick anymore. So I was speeding home, and um, I heard a big boom under the car, dropped my friend off, didn't think nothing of it. I kind of went off the road and hit a culvert, I think that's what it's called. And I, I heard it hit the underneath the car. Well, I made it out of that ditch, so I, I thought I was good to go. So I went home, parked the car. 
get up the next morning and go to church. Guess what I saw all over the ground? It was oil. Y'all, I was terrified because I've never disappointed my stepdad, never had a spanking or anything. I was scared. So all the way, I called my friend, and I prayed. I was like, Lord, if you can split the Red Sea from Moses, if you can suck that oil up. I was praying so hard. And I knew because I did not obey the word of God, I was, I was not happy. I stressed all the way through, through church. I was worried about going home and facing him. And if he didn't see it, I was going to have to tell him what I did. I was going to have to own up to it. So when the word of God says, the keepers of the law, happy is he. So when we do right, when we listen, when we obey the word of God, when we obey God, when we obey the man of God, we don't have to worry about those things. We have a peace of mind. We are happy. So I'm thankful for the law. So Proverbs 29 and 18, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keeps the law, happy is he. The mother watched out for her boy that day. The mother started screaming, and the boy not only recognized the mother's voice, but also recognized the alarm that came sounding off with it. Without question, the boy turned and came back as fast as he could. We, too, need to recognize the voice of the Father and those that God has placed over us. We need to heed to our leader. We may not always agree. It may not feel good, but it is right. I can say in the 18 years, February, no, 19, November was 19 years that I've been in this church, I can say that I haven't always agreed with Pastor, and we haven't always been smiles with each other. I've been in that office a number of times. So, (laughs) I think a lack of sleep is true serum for me, I guess. But... I'm thankful for him because he's kept me out of a lot of trouble. And there was times I didn't always heed to it, and I got myself into trouble. So we may not always agree, and it may not feel good, but it's what's right. I know in Florida it gets hot, so that water felt good to that boy that day. But he was in danger that he could not see, and only his leader could see. We can't always see the bigger picture. We must heed and trust the voice of our pastor who has been appointed by God to lead us and therefore can see the bigger picture and has been given wisdom to lead us in the right way. So let me encourage you this morning to grab a hold of God, to grab a hold of the word, and to grab a hold of prayer, and to grab a hold of our pastor. And not let go of the truth. Don't let go of your church family, your family. Don't let go of your convictions. Just don't let go. That mother had grabbed a hold of that boy with passion. And we need to grab a hold of all of this with passion. We got to have passion for the Lord. We got to have passion for serving the Lord. We got to have passion for one another. And don't let go of the truth. So we don't need to let go of any of this. Because the enemy is on the other end. And he's tugging. He's trying to rip your kids out of your hands, your faith out of your hands, your convictions out of your hands, your joy, your peace, your deliverance, your marriage, your ministry, your whatever. You fill it in the blank because the enemy's never going to stop. He's not going to give up. So it's going to be a constant war. Ministry, your life with Jesus is going to be a constant war because I know and you know God's coming back. He's coming back soon. I've heard it since I've been in church. 
But it's crazier and crazier to this day. And so much things are unfolding from the back of this book right here. And I want to be, re- be ready. And I truly feel, and I can't say this is in the word of God, but I, I've always said that. In the last days, the biggest tool for the enemy, I feel, truly is going to be a spirit of deception. If he can deceive you and cause you to believe this isn't important anymore. Coming to church isn't important. Whatever it is, is not important to, to obey your pastor. I'm an adult. I can make my own decision. I better quit. Okay, so you have to um, grab a hold of it and not let go of it, whatever it is. So if you want to stand, I'm getting ready to close, Brother Sharon. But we need the word of God. We need prayer in our lives. And to wage this war every day, don't get complacent in your walk with God. Don't let go. If you've ever felt convicted, don't let go of that conviction. Say, oh, I was just overreacting. No, if you've had it once, you need to keep a hold of it, regardless of what you feel. And don't let go. And pursue God with all the passion that you have. In Jesus' name. long ago I preached a message about becoming someone who's mad all the time making a difference all the time I think we received instruction on how to be that the 21st verse of Jude 1 says keep yourselves in the love of God looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life and of some have compassion making a difference and others save with fear Pulling them out of the fire. Now, we heard about an alligator, but the fire is more of a problem than an alligator is for us in Christianity today. There is an attachment that the enemy has, and he's pulling. And so we have to work diligently to overcome that. Hating even the garment spotted by flesh. As I looked over the seven things that we need, it's the start that's going to see us to the end. If we don't have the word of God in prayer, there's no way we're going to have doctrine, faith, patience, be spiritually minded, have self-denial, or have vision. So the word of God in prayer, the beginning is what will get us to the end. I'm thankful for the word that we received today. It's not enough to receive it. Just because we heard it doesn't mean it will help. But if we will respond to that word and pray and study the word, All of these other things will happen and we can see our family saved. I believe 2022 is going to be our best year yet. If that's what you want, would you pray with me that the Lord will help you? God, I pray for each one of us that you will give us help today to receive your word, yes. But not only to receive it today, Lord, but God to obey it. To do what the word of God says. God, to become prayerful. God, I pray that you would help us to see the significance of your word and prayer. Father, we must get back to the basics if we're going to win this war that is being waged upon our families. God, I pray for this church. I pray for the families of this church that you will give us wisdom and guidance, courage and confidence to obey your word and reap the result thereof. Somebody give God some praise for what he's going to do to and through you and to 22. I thank you, Lord God, because you will give us strength. You will give us help in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Take a break. We're going to have a great time in worship in just a few moments.